Hi, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Welcome back to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. We're here to make it rain today. We're here to, I know, <laughs> I can't wait. We're here for Uwe Boll's Blood Rain. How many video game movies had he made up until this point? Was this his second or I, I believe third? It was, it was his third, I believe. Because we have already covered The House of the Dead. We've already covered Alone in the Dark. And most recently we did In the Name of the King, a Dungeon Siege tale, although that was made after Blood mm. Rain, I think. But because this is spooky month, Halloween yes. is upon us, so we thought it was time for a slice of Uwe Boll's brand of horror mm. instead. So this is not the recommended viewing uh, sequence, <laughs> yes. perhaps. Yes. If you want to get an idea of Uwe Boll's career trajectory. Mm-hmm. Oh no, and we also did Far Cry. Jeez. So we've actually, I think, <laughs> the only franchise which we haven't actually discussed yet is Postal. Of Uwe Boll's work. Of Uwe Boll's work. Of Uwe Boll's video game movie related but work. Because I believe, didn't Uwe Boll also direct uh, Blood Rain 2 and 3? Yes. In terms of my association with the Blood Rain games and movies, I've seen Blood Rain 2, bizarrely, not seen the first one. But so, I was... <laughs> so did it all lock into place <laughs> when you watch this one? Um, oh. Very much no. Okay. But in terms of the video game source material, I don't believe either of us have actually played a Blood Rain game, but we were... I was aware of its presence, I think predominantly because... As we've mentioned on this podcast before, we were predominantly a Nintendo household growing up. And I think because the first Blood Rain game came on the GameCube, uh, a console which was a little bit starved for, shall we say, adult content. Mm -hmm. The idea of a video game which had a vampire with big bosoms and a lust for blood on the bots was at least caught the attention of... I guess, Nintendo <laughs> magazines and I can imagine, uh, reviews and such. So, yeah. Timmy, what do you want for Christmas? Uh, Mario Party or Blood Rain? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Blood Rain as a name definitely conjures up like Simpsons levels of disemboweler mm. four and... And also, you know, this is... She's slicing and dicing Nazis, isn't she, in the first Blood Rain Yeah, so the game itself came out in 2002 and was uh, published by Majesco and developed by Terminal Reality. Terminal Reality, not best known for their original works apart from the Blood Rain series, but after Blood Rain they did Ghostbusters the game. Oh yeah, geez, now I know where I know the name from. They did... Spy Hunter Nowhere to Run, which was the Spy Hunter reboot starring The Rock. Right. Because The Rock was due to star in the Spy Hunter video game movie, mm-hmm. but that was a project that never 
manifested itself apart from in a game featuring The Rock. Yeah. And so he rejected Fast Cars forever. <laughs> he and said, I'm never going to be in a movie focused on Fast Cars slash spying. No, hate it. Terminal Reality, they also developed Connect Star Wars and The Walking Dead Survival Instinct. So not the Telltale games, but there was uh, okay. a few Walking Dead spin-offs. I think this was a first-person shooter. I don't believe Terminal Reality as a studio exists anymore. I think they've been absorbed into other studios. But I suppose Blood Rain was their main original property. It sounds like their attempt to strike it big. Vampires are popular, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I, I guess the game was a minor success. Success enough for them to make a sequel. And uh, so the first game came out in 2002 and a sequel followed. And in terms of the franchise, there was a follow-up quite late on, I think, developed by another studio in 2011, which was a sort of side-scrolling action platformer, mm. um, which wasn't really met with... Uh, garlands and plaudits <laughs> i get the impression from an outsider that this is a franchise which has always, always been trying to get going but hasn't really and it seems exactly the sort of thing uabol would pick up because he must have picked up the rights after the first game because uh the sequel came out around about the time as this film and yeah you know it's it's just tits and blood isn't it that's basically that's basically it well, the original video game bots does start off with half human, half vampire, all woman. Let this wickedly sexy heroine escort you into the terrifying world of the occult, etc. So <laughs> I can I can kind of see how, yeah, he probably picked up the video game bots and was just like, hmm, sexy vampire, make movie. <laughs> well, the thing is, we're discussing... What, why, to, which film to do next? And I mentioned to Rory that I was in a massive vampire mood at the moment. A few weeks ago, I just woke up and thought, I really fancy looking at a lot of vampire stuff. So I downloaded Castlevania Collection to play. I got from the library Marvel's brilliant Tomb of Dracula collection, where, you know, Untitled Goose Game? Just imagine that, but with Dracula. He's <laughs> basically a prick. <laughs> and um, that's been a lot of fun. I rent. I, I bought the Blade trilogy mm-hmm. um, because Blade actually features in those Marvel Dracula comics. And so um, when the opportunity came to do a vampire film for the podcast, I, I leapt the chance. Well, much like the Castlevania animated Netflix series, which we have covered previously and enjoyed, and a season... Three is due at some point. I don't think it's been announced at time of recording anyway, exactly when it's coming. 200 years time, (laughs) after a long sleep. But similar to Blade, like, this film has, yes, as I said, like, part vampire, part human, or, you know, a dampier, as uh, they're known here and in Castlevania. So there is some shared DNA, I suppose. I pronounce it the humpier. I go full Udo Kier in this. Um, <laughs> I noticed some of the uh, American cast called it Dampier. <laughs> and just sort of like... Almost like saying diaper. <laughs> yeah, pretty aggressive. In terms of the game then, it's a... At least the original game is a third-person action-adventure style thing. But it's set in a different time period. This film at something of a prequel one would say, is set pre-World War II, but you're still fighting Nazis. 
and Rain is the title character, and she's an agent of the Brimstone Society, and she is engaged with trying to bring down Nazis, trying to find ancient powers, etc., and a Raiders of the Lost Ark style in stuff In terms of things which carry over into the film, the character has big blades, and she's slicing and dicing. Yeah, these sort of long arm blades which come from basically the elbows outward. I think that was implemented in the design of the character just to make her stand out well, from she's... all the other sort of sexy CGI ladies that were populating the early noughties. She's got red hair. She's got red hair. That's something different. And the character does a lot of kung fu action and jumps on people and you can drink their blood and I think that re-energises your health bar. And also, because it was a game made in the early 2000s, it inevitably has a slow-mo ability, which is known as Blood Rage. And I think in the film they refer to Blood Rage, there's a bit where she kind of attacks people. Yeah, And I guess that's the film's attempt to replicate that, but obviously, as it was a video game in the early 2000s, it's more like... Max Payne, slow-mo, Matrix-influenced style thing. I'm trying to think of a slow-motion Matrix rip-off-y bit in a video game that was actually good and not really frustrating. (laughs) I think even in the official Matrix game, you just have the ability to make everything just feel like you're going through treacle. Yeah. There's that game, Super Hot, which looks great um, i think it's now on the switch i want to play it um and that does it in a slightly different way where the action moves as you move at the same time but i don't think it ever really works <laughs> rain being a sexy lady she is top the poles in many sexy uh poles <laughs> i should say sexy poles um i've got a quite a long list here but she, things like what she's named one of the 50 greatest Female characters in video game history. She's also placed 11th in UGO's list of the top 50 sexiest vampires. 11, so just outside the top 10. (laughs) Game Daily ranked her 12th on their list of the top 50 hottest game babes, stating the only thing sexier than a female vampire is one that kills Nazis. Real turn on. I know, and... You could see how, though, the fact that the only thing sexier than a sexy vampire is a sexy vampire that kills Nazis. But nowadays, if you said that, you'd be like, oh, stop bringing politics into video games. (laughs) Yeah, I should kill more Nazis. (laughs) But you can see, based on that, why the character appealed to a man like Uwe Boll, who... He likes the sexy. He can't resist a bit of sleaze and a bit of gore. And combining the two, you can see how and why he decided to make three of these movies. Hot off the success of Alone in the Dark. (laughs) (laughs) I remember him saying how unprofessional Tara Reid was in Alone in the Dark, which was rather nasty. So I think he just wanted to work with somebody much more professional this time around. And he picked uh, Kristana Loken. Yes, who would then appear subsequently in In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale. And I think we mentioned on that episode and touched on it briefly, we probably like her most, not for her Terminator Mm -hmm. performance necessarily in Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, probably because of her role as one of the three leads in the Mortal Kombat Conquest 
TV series, mm. which I do hope we do an episode on one day because yeah. there is lots to discuss. There is. Gosh, if somebody told us Kristana Loken's in this film, we would like perk up, wouldn't we? Yeah. But I think most people would be like, who the hell are you talking about? Even though she was the baddie in one of the biggest movies ever. I mean, people just forget Terminator 3 now, don't they? I am not a fan. <laughs> I think Terminator might have should have might have should have stopped after the first one actually because i i do love terminator 2 but it seems it seems like a buffet of terminator goodness it doesn't it doesn't need to be more uh, it's it's your second plate at the chinese terminator buffet well you say that but then we would lose terminator the sarah connor chronicles oh how yes i actually do like that which i think is probably the best Terminator spin-off after Terminator 1 mm. and Terminator 2. At time of recording, I have not seen Terminator Dark Fate. No. I mean, that the, t- the TV show is superior mostly, but not entirely, due to the fact that at one point, Shirley Manson transforms from a urinal into a grown woman <laughs> <laughs> and stabs a man. I hope Dark Fate features more scenes where people piss on Terminators. Or just Terminators hiding as toilets Mm. in general and then appearing and stabbing people someone pulls up their trousers having taken a massive dump and then the mouth of the toilet closes (laughs) and out comes um arnold schwarzenegger's head arnold schwarzenegger's head apparently james cameron says this is the start of a new trilogy just like the last three fucking terminator films yeah Um, he absolutely will not stop (laughs) ever until the franchise is dead i know it's pretty pathetic but having said that, yes, I do like Sarah Connor Chronicles, mm. and I think Shirley Manson is great in it. Mm. Lena Headey as well from Game of Thrones, and yeah, she's uh, not from so Game she... of Thrones; she's from Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah, that was her original leading TV role. Mm. Uh, yeah, so if you haven't seen Sarah Connor Chronicles, but bizarrely love Terminator, <laughs> um, <laughs> then yeah, I would. That would be my tip. Sorry, Christina Logan. <laughs> yeah, the thing is actually. Robert Patrick as the T-1000 in Terminator 2 proved that you could have a character more than a match for Arnie. Arnie was like the big bullish tank of a, of a robot and Robert Patrick's T-1000 was a, was a Porsche, a slick vehicle built for speed. Um, Christina Loken and um, the T-Terminatrix, or the T-whatever the fuck she's called. T-W-T-F. <laughs> they just don't know what to do. It's almost of a mix of both, for like a robot skeleton with liquid metal skin and like a multi-tool arm mm-hmm. with different flamethrower and combat yeah. options. And you know, it was like, oh, we had a big, we had a big man in the first one, a small man in the second one. Uh, we'll have a woman, <laughs> a woman <laughs> in the third one. But um, anyway, that's that's Terminator talk <laughs> on games of film. There's been some Terminator video games, so maybe we'll do uh, a Terminator episode at some point down the line. What well, I guess what I'm in a roundabout way, I'm trying to say that Kristana Loken, though I love, you know, I you know, I think she's part of my family because <laughs> I've loved the stuff I've seen her in. I don't think she lifts the material. Well, she's top billing in this film. She is the titular character. Not, although... not in the adverts, I notice. She's like third down. <laughs> Well, as in she is the titular character, mm. although 
I guess she's called Rain, but the film's called Blood Rain, so she's half titular. <laughs> That's an odd turn of phrase, but correct. <laughs> but she heads an all-star cast, and I think we'll introduce them as we do the characters. But shall we get stuck into the film proper? Is this a film proper? <laughs> <laughs> or at least shall we look at the synopsis? Shall we queue up that set-up Blood Rain for the audience? And spoilers for Blood Rain in this episode... Bloody hell, why not? So I'm reading from the back of the UK DVD bots, though I believe we both watched this on Amazon Prime instead, mm. uh, because I'm not buying another Uwe Boll film until he sends us a copy. <laughs> yeah. And it reads, Live to kill, kill to live. Hmm, okay. Meet Rain. She's every man's dream... She's every vampire's living nightmare, and she's out to avenge her mother's brutal death at the hands of Kagan, king of the vampires, before he lays 18th century Romania to ruin. Driven by her own vampire bloodlust, but refusing to take innocent lives, rain transforms into blood rain, blazing an explosive trail of action-packed destruction in this awe-inspiring tale of merciless vengeance. Aww. Inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> Aww, didums. Is that it? That That's it. Oh, man. That's not Although, much. Although, I see there is a special feature called Dinner with Uwe Boll. So, mm. sad to be missing out on that, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> Do you like ready meals? <laughs> daughter, a mighty leader. She could mean the end or the beginning of the world as we know it. A prophet. They have been talking for years that Kagan was in search of a prodigious child. Where is she? A young hero. Make us think that you won't attack. A guardian. A land ruled by evil. A secret society of Avengers. This is the headquarters of the Brimstone Society. Physical strength means nothing. I do not intend to stop fighting for a second. Will the world be ruled by light or darkness? Prepare to witness the beginning of the new era. said that is it Kagan played by Ben Kingsley he he's written there as king of the vampires I didn't get that impression yeah I, I also think you should contact the press office for, <laughs> for inaccuracies yeah also the fact she doesn't really turn into blood rain I mentioned the blood rage but mm-hmm. I don't know maybe that's something from the game she's rain and then she drinks some blood and she's known as blood rain just like when I drink cola I'm known as cola rory <laughs> cola rory can you imagine coming up with a title for the film? I know it's based on a video game, obviously, but it's like, we're going to call the film Rain. 
Uh, can you make it sound a bit more bloody? <laughs> you need to let Rain one... blood. Mm, not quite. Try again. Swap it round. Fix it. <laughs> Change it. Flip it. Yeah. I, as I said earlier, I kind of wanted to watch this film because I was in a vampire mood. But I do feel that this really just wants to be a fantasy film. I feel that Urbol was trying to scratch an itch he eventually scratched in In the Name of the King. Because this seems to be kind of a fantasy with, with really the barest minimum vampirism in it. Do you, Would you agree with that? No. Okay, I just... just... I don't know, it just didn't scratch my vampire itch, I suppose. I've gone off vampires now having watched this film. <laughs> oh dear. What I liked about this film yeah. was that it did do something I had not seen in vampire movies before. Oh, looking forward to this. That's not to say that I'm a vampire movie expert, and maybe there's countless examples of this, but I found the... Oh, sorry, all our listeners are now going... <laughs> as you're, you're about what you're about to say. I've seen a bunch of vampire movies, but I wouldn't say I'm necessarily super clued up on all the vampire movies ever made and vampire lore, etc. I liked how the goal of the king of the vampires in this movie was to become a sort of invincible vampire. And the idea of a vampire which, you know, could withstand sunlight and water and crucifixes. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'd seen that before. I know that generally in vampire movies, the evil vampires want to take over the world, but I don't know what their goal is yeah. in order to combat the things which would kill them usually. Mm-hmm. And this at least had some sort of lore which I hadn't necessarily seen before. And you say... That your issue of the film was it, it wasn't vampire enough. Yeah. And it was more just like a kind of historical fantasy epic thing. But at the same time, I haven't seen vampire movies do that. Have you seen Blade? Yeah. That's the plot of Blade. But... The head vampire. Spoilers for Blade. So Stephen Dorff in Blade, he wants to use, his, use Blade's blood in tribute to the blood gods and create... Like a race of vampires with uh, everybody's got blades abilities. So all of the vampires' strengths, none of the vampires' weaknesses. So they want to be daywalkers. Yes, that's true. But I don't remember stuff about here's an eye and here's a rib and here's a heart and combine the lot and you get everything. Maybe well, that's the thing I picked up on and no. I enjoyed. <laughs> I, I get the idea of like, yes, vampires want to take over the world. What's our stumbling blocks? Mm-hmm. Everything that kills us. Let's <laughs> let's get around that, shall we? <laughs> you, sound, you sound like you're, you're, blue, you're at a blue sky thinking workshop yeah. with think your out, fellow vampires. Think outside okay. the box. Outside I mean the coffin. coffin. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hmm, hmm. Yeah, maybe so. And... Blade, also starring Udo Kier, who appears in this film. Yeah. Um, I was thinking it's actually quite a near mix that this film doesn't feature Nazis because I, I don't know how I'd take Ben Kingsley, star of Schindler's List, sort of swanning around always like goose-stepping vampires. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I think, but mm. Ben Kingsley, you know, villain mode whenever he can get it, really, you know. But I think he's operating more on a Thunderbirds level than... In fact, he would literally seem like a puppet, yes, <laughs> because I have never seen a more phoned-in performance. Even in Prince of Persia, he 
delivers a little bit of juice. He was like, I'm in a Disney film. I'm going to make, yeah. I'm going to convey Jafar in this or something or whatever. But in this film, it's like, I'm not going to get out of this chair mm-hmm. <laughs> unless um, you pay me another million. I don't think he even looked another actor in the eye. <laughs> now, I mean, one thing I love about Ben Kingsley is that he is this Oscar winner with, a, he is viewed as, as, as a thesp to be reckoned with. But Sir Ben Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley. But... So I do appreciate how we get this Sir Ben Kingsley in anything, but literally he, he always does seem to give it his all in his stuff. But this is the first time I think I've ever seen him visibly pissed off to be here. <laughs> there's, other, there's other big cast people in this who seem quite happy to, to have fun. I mean, Billy Zane is in, is in this and he seems born to play a Viscount. Special appearance by <laughs> Billy says, Zane, as it says in the opening credits. Exactly right. And uh, we'll get to him a bit later, I suppose. But but Ben Kingsley, I'm sure there, there's, he's wearing this terrible... We'll get to wigs as well. But he's wearing this terrible half wig throughout the film. But there's this one weird dream sequence where he's not. And I'm pretty sure that's the, the reason... That happened is because he showed up to set and said, I'm not wearing this fucking thing anymore. Normally, you know, I look for finger holds when I'm trying to enjoy a new bowl movies. And, and I was hoping Ben Kingsley was going to be a reliable finger hold. But my finger would not go in there. <laughs> yeah, I would say in the villainy department, this really needed a Ray Liotta or a, yeah. as in In the Name of the King. Reminiscing or a, about In the Name of the King. <laughs> or a Matthew Lillard, someone who could really just like chew the scenery and cut through all the tedium. But I guess you get a little bit of that with Billy Zane. Billy Zane's in like, was it two scenes? He is the, is it the uncle? No, he's the father of Michelle Rodriguez's character. And he's also a vampire and he seems to just be sending letters to each other. They're basically... They're estranged family, but mostly pen pals. <laughs> and but his his he dictates a missive to um to one of his subordinates. I do hope we can find a clip of this because it's it's utterly hilarious. And and like I said, he um he seems to be having fun with his role. Yeah, he seems to be the only one who gets the level of the material that they're in, and has a little cheeky smile, and he's very wry mm-hmm. with his delivery and. At one point, a head is thrown at him onto his table and he goes, would you please stop throwing things at me? <laughs> Which is really funny. And, and it's just a shame because I guess that's why it's special appearance because he only pops up in two scenes, barely has anyone else to talk to and then disappears from the film entirely. There's this sort of threat for him to join Caden's forces and mm. to give the location of where Rain is hiding and he sort of refuses to do so and suggests, why not join me? Because he believes as a vampire that uh, the future of the world should be in the hands of human born and vampire perfected. Mm. And a more colourful option than Cajuns just destroy everything, reign of terror and shadows. I mean, can you imagine if in Star Wars, uh, Darth Vader went off to another Sith Lord... Um, who we never met before, and said, can you join our evil crusade or our evil badness? <laughs> and the guy goes, oh, no, I'm all right. <laughs> and that's like a whole, that's two scenes. But then that's that's it. Like, are we to assume that his character is killed or just, just left? He just seems to like, the next scene is 
them marching on Brimstone, mm -hmm. uh, where Rain is being kept. And uh, so I assume he either delivered the goods or they just took a good estimated guess as to where this secret society was residing. Perhaps they stormed the entirely wrong castle. <laughs> and that's the Toad was there saying, Blood Rain is in another castle. <laughs> I got an image of Ray Park... Ray Parker, Toad from X-Men, <laughs> for some reason. Ray Park Junior. is Toad. Ray Parker Jr. wrote the Ghostbusters song. <laughs> in Mario, you arrive when Ray Parker Jr. is like, a princess is in another castle, but who are you going to call? <laughs> the plumber. The plumber, The plumber, obviously. the plumber from the plumber. Nice. It pains me to admit that our beloved, but weakened Brimstone society can no longer defeat Kagan. Yet he must not be allowed to acquire Belier's artifacts nor legacy. Thus I turn to you, my daughter, to help me protect the souls of this land. You and I are the only ones who know what is hidden in Brimstone Fortress, its value, its importance. I need you to bring this artifact to me. It must be protected from those who wish to use it to undermine me. To scratch that to undermine freedom and humanity. And together we will stop this madness and bring peace to these lands, your beloved father, etc., etc. What do you think? A very compelling argument, Nasta. You're such a sucker. In terms of the cast, it's like a mix of actors who should probably know better and are sort of slumming it for a paycheck, and Uwe Boll regulars. Yeah, but I mean, isn't <laughs> you it... don't know better. I mean, I do recall hear hearing or reading some of that Uwe Boll's modus operandi was find actors who have projects which have fallen through and snag them because they need the work. They, you know, Ben Kingsley got to eat. Yeah, not blood, hopefully. Well, so this was filmed in Romania, which I guess is interested in the fact that that's where Transylvania actually fucking is. Mm -hmm. So this is a vampire movie actually set in the land of Dracul and filmed there. And all credit to Uwe Boll, some pretty landscapes, some nice sweeping shots of mountains. Yeah. It does look kind of nice. I mean, it says here in the production notes on Wikipedia, uh, filming took place in Romania... In the Carpathian Mountains, filming also took place in a castle where Prince Vlad the Impaler presumably spent a night once. <laughs> presumably? I know, presumably spent a night. That's the most tenuous thing Isn't ever. Isn't it just like it's the only castle in his vicinity that he might have shacked up in for a night? There's not like a blue plaque on that castle <laughs> saying Vlad the Impaler Should... slept here once possibly. Yeah, exactly. The castle we see in the film looks exactly like Hogwarts. Um, <laughs> like properly spiry and things on the on the cliff, and uh, that's quite hard to to to, to ignore. Caden Ben Kingsley is Prince of Shits. Well, that's <laughs> not what it says on the bots. <laughs> it's King of the Vampires, apparently. <laughs> Rain is his illegitimate daughter. Yeah. In the first ten minutes of this film, we get. Two instances of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. I think Uwe Boll is not the director to deliver that sort of stuff with any kind of sensitivity. It's thankfully not explicit, mm. but it's just a bit front-loaded with 
I did find the discomfort. image. Yeah, I mean, I did find the image of Ben Kingsley leering over um, Rain's mother pretty upsetting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, it just not nice. And I, I guess that's what you're supposed, you, you know, certainly don't want people to be like, yeah, yeah. But uh, I just found it a bit like grubby. Yeah, so that's Rain's past. And Caden is aware that there is the child, there is the girl. And he has been trying to track her down. And in the meantime, she is also trying to exact her revenge for what happened to her mother. In the games, I think specifically Blood Rain 2, Kagan is a character and he is making uh, loads of dump, dump heels as some sort of army. So that that's a connection to the games. Blood Rain 2, the game, is set in a contemporary setting, so... It, this film still acts as a prequel to that, but you can definitely see how this film has combined and amalgamated both of those titles to make its own story. In fact, shall we talk a little bit about the story and the script? Yeah, I was just looking at some notes about the... Um, I've got two conflicting stories on Wikipedia versus IMDb, because uh, Wikipedia seems quite damning. It says here that the screenwriter... Guinevere Turner mm-hmm. um, turned in the draft first draft two weeks late and this was the script that went into production with no revisions though only 20% of it was actually filmed but on IMDB it says uh, according to the screenwriter while she was writing the first draft of the script she received an angry phone call from Ua Boll who swore at her and demanded that she hand in a draft of the script about a week later she sent the first rough draft of the script and she was shocked to learn the production was going to commence immediately with the draft so later on she was informed that bowl and the actors and actresses had subsequently rewritten much of her script while shooting and the finished movie barely resembled her script i believe her really (laughs) yeah well she wrote american psycho the notorious betty page Mm -hmm. she's written and she's an actor herself and i would believe that she would have maybe done a bit more work on this Mm. film given the opportunity i the sequence of events is quite baffling because you're told to write a script and she sounds like she had no notion that they were that close to production yeah i mean maybe there's some sort of miscommunication in that respect but you don't ramp up production without a script if you're a good director and mm. planning ahead and clearly they didn't have a script in time to make this film because we got blood rain mm-hmm. but at the same time she probably did all she could and then they just chucked out a lot of it anyway mm. because a first draft is always rubbish mm. the story is pretty heavy on exposition Rain encounters at different points two characters who give her big dollops of exposition. Mm. She is in a town and she is uh, beckoned by a fortune teller. Yes. Played by Geraldine Chaplin. Was she from? Because I really enjoyed her performance. I think she was the only person giving maybe a good performance. Which is not to say I didn't enjoy other performances, but I think she gave it her all. Her scene, though, was a bit mired by bad audio. Did you notice? I think this is the one scene where they were definitely using like the location audio because every time she moved her chair or moved some of her fortune-telling cards, there was just real scratching and, and loud noises on the soundtrack. So um, no ADR, I think. 
for this uh, for this scene at least. Well, Geraldine Chaplin is daughter of Charlie Chaplin. Oh, all right. She's been in most recently Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. I think she works in a lot of J. A. Biona movies because she's been in The Impossible, The Orphanage, for instance. Okay, I did recognise her from things. But yeah, she's had quite a long career, mm. and yeah. Her role, basically, in this film is to sort of just explain that Cajun has become the most powerful vampire and that he wants to become even more powerful because he seats a talisman, the eye, Mm. which is held in a monastery. And when Rain gets to that monastery, Udo Kier is a monk there and gives another dollop of exposition because... There's this whole scene where it's kind of like Mission Impossible-style booby trappage. First, she... I thought more like Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, that too. She arrives at this monastery and is under the guise of a weary traveller, and she gets some food and a place to rest. And then, in order to get to this talisman that is in hiding, she has to defeat some... Big, melty-headed ogre guard? Yeah, he seems to have fallen out of another film (laughs) with a massive Harley Quinn-style mallet. It's quite nice to have practical effects, but, um, yeah, it seems, again, just just thrown in there to see what sticks. There's no real choreography in this film. I mean, if I was to compare this to In the Name of the King, we think we mentioned in that episode, In the Name of the King, they actually had proper action choreography, didn't they? And uh, I think the action was pretty good. The fighting was pretty good. Now, the action of this, I did enjoy the blood. Um, there is like an unrated version. I think we might have watched the original, but still was quite a lot of satisfying neck slices and things. And there's, there's nothing which annoys me more than a vampire film without any blood in it. But especially at the end when Kristana uh, Loken fights Ben Kingsley, there was clearly no stunt doubles. It was clearly the old parry 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 style of sword fighting with very choppy editing to mm-hmm. sort of mask any difficult maneuvers everyone seems to be fighting with very chonky swords as well yeah. very um ornate ceremonial swords but uh there was nothing to excite the jellies when it came to the fight choreography yeah she defeats the ogre man by squishing his head with his own spiky club i think mm, that was nice and bloody wasn't it though yeah there's like arrows in the head and swords in the face so mm-hmm. there's a lot of juicy bloodiness and it's it's mostly practical as well i was watching this with subtitles and my favorite subtitle was blood squelching which was nice there was also um quite frequently unsettling music <laughs> Like yeah, all I saw the time. unsettling music was pretty much the main uh, dialogue. And also, when you're talking about dialogue, there's one bit when someone's describing to Rain like a ceremony which happens to her, and she asks, what comes of me? And I believe the phrase is, what becomes of me? And I think that's quite telling when people, when they're like, they obviously didn't, write it down properly and i'm sure uribol was like no say comes of me and there was a whole discussion about it yeah there's just on dialogue as well in relation to the eye the talisman Cajun is also seeking it and he just uh, tells his guards kill her let her find the eye or let her try then kill her <laughs> and it's just like which one <laughs> uh, in which order <laughs> so getting back to the booby trap she gets into the kind of crypt 
and its pressure-sensitive floor and big CG blades just whisk everywhere, but she manages to dodge them by doing backflips, because that's sort of what you do. Yeah, like when confronted with a laser maze, the best way to do it is star jumps through it. Yeah, I've analysed the trajectory of all the lasers, and Mm -hmm. I think if I just do a cartwheel, I'll miss everything, because they haven't anticipated cartwheels. Which also takes up the exact same sort of spatial footprint as just walking through it. (laughs) Yeah. I was actually quite alarmed by the blades. They did look vicious. The camera shook and I thought, oh gosh, I hope she doesn't get nicked by a a CGI blade. Yeah, but she makes it to the box with the talisman. But then as she does so, the whole crypt starts to flood. Mm -hmm. And as has been established earlier on, she doesn't like water because she's a vampire. Yeah. But apparently that's one of the rules. They can't cross water. Mm -hmm. Now, Now, she's a dehumpier, so she seems to have some of the uh, vulnerabilities of vampires. The place is flooding. She has the talisman, which is an eye, and she absorbs the eye unwittingly Mm -hmm. into her own eye, and that then gives her the ability to enjoy water. Enjoy water slides. Go go to a water park. Because this trap seems designed expressly to stop vampires. Well, I think the idea is that the whole thing would flood and you would drown. Okay. But obviously it's a bit more pressing for her because she can't touch water without it burning her skin. Imagine if it just did, like, waist heights. And you go... My trousers are wet now. It's getting cold. (laughs) No, she's she's led out by a monk. And this is where she meets Udo Kier, who explains the power of the talismans. So they're were protecting the eye, but there's also the rib and the heart, and they belong to the long-dead vampire Beliar, who managed to defy the elements that destroy vampires. That's water, sunlight, and the cross. And what they did when they actually finally managed to defeat him somehow, we're not told exactly how, but they took those body parts and scattered them throughout the land. They not say that throughout... far. No, exactly. <laughs> I mean, when they mean land, they mean the continent Romania. of Europe. Yeah, if that. Romania, probably. They just kind of got bored and just like, uh, you know, just uh, dump it over there behind the bins. Beliar is the ancient Romanian word for Belend. <laughs> the Fresh Prince of Beliar. Oh, God. If you manage to get all three talismans, all the three MacGuffins, just like a video game, then you could get all the ultimate vampire power you need to control the world. You get a third fang. Yeah. <laughs> right in the middle. Yeah. Not necessarily in the mouth. It just uh, pops up somewhere else. <laughs> God. So anyway, that's the kind of overall... That's the gist of it. That's the blood gist. That's the narrative drive. Mm-hmm. But we're first introduced to Rain. She is part of a carnival. She is being sort of captured yeah, and imprisoned and there's pulled a ring... out as a sort of carnival freak. Yeah, there's a, the ringleader who sounds exactly like Danny DeVito and Dumbo <laughs> uh, describes her as the freak of freaks and their entire show is pouring a bit of water on her and did they cut her, cut her or something? And then she drinks blood and regenerates. I didn't realise this was a trope from the game and I actually did like this this power. She, I don't. I think she actually can eat human food. She, he doesn't have the thirst for blood, but blood does heal her. So I quite liked that. But that that was like a five minute show. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think she's like the headline act. But they probably had a lot of like warm up freaks. They probably poured water on a lot of other ladies and just as a warm up. <laughs> did nothing. Up, did nothing. 
Ua Bowl makes a cameo appearance in this scene as a man wearing modern wristwatch. Yes, <laughs> you can see him quite clearly. I think he's... I missed him, sadly. I think he's goofed himself up and he's wearing like a terrible wig. And he's just... What, in, the... in this film there's a terrible wig? <laughs> and uh, yes, he is applauding and you can see a nice uh, metal wristwatch on his wrist. I choose to believe he's a time traveller. Yeah, he's like Stanley in the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. He's like the Watcher. I mean, in in the Marvel Dracula uh, comics I've been reading, it's set in the modern day, aka the seventies. But there is a bit of time travel for a few issues, and he goes back to the olden days for a bit, and it's like casually drops time travel into <laughs> into a Dracula story and back again. But Rain manages to escape from the carnival because, it- as mentioned, she is sexually assaulted. But um, it's a deeply confusing sequence because we just cut to her having already escaped and then thinking back to her escape. It's sort of a, an Uwe Boll trademark to have flashbacks for things which, I don't know, we will see or see again or just repeat those flashbacks, usually in very choppy, very garbled uh, I, I think it's vision just, <laughs> filters. I think he thinks he doesn't have coverage. <laughs> yeah. She approaches a family which is being attacked by wild vampires. And the way she introduces herself is, uh, I would not harm you. I only wish to kill vampires, which uh, I think I'm going to start to introduce myself to. <laughs> One of the people she saves says, why did you save us? And she says, I don't know. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that's it. But I guess we should talk about our intrepid trio the Brimstone Boys and Girl. Yes, the Brimstone <laughs> Trio. We are introduced to, at the start of the film, Vladimir, played by Michael Madsen, Sebastian, mm. played by Matt Davis, and Catherine, played by Michelle Rodriguez. Do you think Michelle Rodriguez was really pissed off that uh, this was her second video game movie and uh, she wasn't playing a character called Rain, like in her first one? <laughs> Yeah, she I've, plays Rain in Resident Evil. I forgot that. Uh, yeah, I forgot that connection. Yeah, such a it's amazing, jaw dropping, spectacular. <laughs> Michael Madsen is literally hanging off his wig. Um, it is a huge mullet, and I think this, this is where we go to wig talk. Now, this is the, your wig talk corner. This film has the worst collection of wigs I have ever seen, and people just they just didn't give a fuck <laughs> and there was definitely a big you, box of secondhand wigs how do you know that's not what the fashion was in the 18th century i, guess I mean a everyone wore wigs in the past what do you think what do you think is the best wig and the worst wig well i think i think ben kinsey's wig uh, a notoriously bald man he's wearing a tea cozy wearing yeah whatever he's sporting definitely mm-hmm. died a long time ago um billy zane is wearing I think a wig dropped off like an anime character. Oh, but it seems like he has two different wigs, or at least he styled it differently on those different yeah, he scenes. He is different this day. Yeah, like I mean, he combs it one way, he combs it the other way. Mm-hmm. But it's just funny that being a vampire, can't use a mirror. For any, well, that's true. I mean, it, it must be a constant battle mm-hmm. trying to adjust your hair. But like vampires cast no reflection, but their clothes also don't cast reflection. So maybe if you have a wig. And mm. you're a vampire. Like, is there a point where you're holding it, you're holding it, holding it, and then as soon as it's on your head, the wig disappears from the mirror too? Um, it depends what the budget of the film is. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just one. I think you might have to make your clothes vampiric as well. 
<laughs> you sort of you get um, a plastic the plastic container on the top of your detergent bottle. You fill it with blood. You put it in with your cloves. <laughs> uh, put in some conditioner so they smell nice. Speaking of cloves and things, maybe there is a secret stitch which be- makes it vampiric. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that because cross stitch. Hopefully not. Phantom Thread, mm-hmm. the Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Uwe Boll was furious that one of the posters for Phantom Thread allegedly copied his poster for Blood Rain. Right. Because the poster for Phantom Thread has a giant Daniel Day-Lewis head in profile, and then at the front is the uh, other main character, played by Vicky Cripps, and the bot's or poster for Blood Rain has a giant Ben Kingsley head in profile and has Tristana oh. Loken in the front. And the colours are sort of similar, kind of like a darkish, greeny, yellow. And Uwe Boll said that they ripped off his work. Did he design the poster? Uh, yes, possibly, and also no, probably. <laughs> but he'll take the credit for it because it's his movie. Maybe instead of Phantom, he read it as Fangdom. <laughs> or something. The fandom dead. Yeah, so lots of witty action going on. This brimstone trio, Michael Madsen, who calls this film an abomination, a horrifying and preposterous movie, mm-hmm. as quoted as saying, but also has said that he enjoyed working with Uwe Boll and would work again with him if asked. Yeah, that seems to be Michael Madsen in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he was also quite drunk during the making of this, which uh, there's a sequence where he's going up some stairs and he's attacked by a, uh, what they're, they're called thralls. Basically, the vampire needs a human army if he wants to do any armying in the daylight. And they're willing to do so. They are so. in his thrall. thrall. Yeah, that's where it comes from. But there's a sequence where Michael Madsen's going upstairs and is attacked by a thrall and he sort of shoves him out of the way. And it was only after that I read he is drunk on set and I thought, yeah, probably. Yeah, I believe that, 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 that from big, his performance. That big duster jacket has a lot of uh, bottles in there. It <laughs> get rid of a lot of clinking in, uh, in post-production. As you mentioned, Michelle Rodriguez, uh, who is the daughter of Billy Zane's character, and she doesn't take very kindly to Rain. She wants to stop Kagan and thinks that Rain is sort of in the way of doing so and almost a distraction. So Her loyalty seemed to flip-flop quite a yeah. lot. She starts the film wanting to save humanity from vampirism, but by the end she hands humanity over, I think. Basically, in Brimstone, where they come from, uh, that's where one of the talismans is kept underwater, and she says that she's aware of it because I think her grandfather told her it was there. And she writes the letter to Billy Zane saying Brimstone is lost, I think, because of rain, and they have a very antagonistic sparring duel. Mm. During that duel, it has one of my favourite lines. Um, She says, Keep your friends close, and your enemies even closer. Vladimir taught me that. And I thought, what, that very common phrase? <laughs> well, she she wants to find this, the the third talisman and give it to her father, basically, because I think it's just like, I don't want Rain to get it because Rain is the daughter of Kagan. I don't trust Rain. Yeah, Rain, Rain. Don't want Kagan. Rain, Rain, go away. Come again another day. <laughs> or not. I hate your guts. Yes, Catherine. What lies ahead? Will you be opening up the gates to the thralls? That's ridiculous. I am loyal to you, Vladimir. Yet you are breaking the very laws and teachings you swore by. Your newfound fate scares me. What will happen to Brimstone in the event of battle? 
answer. We're growing weaker. But then we also have Sebastian, who is played by Matt Davis, who is possibly best known as a character in The Vampire Diaries. Oh, Dave. And a spin-off show, I think, subsequently. So The Vampire Blog. Yeah. <laughs> the, vampire the Vampire Vlog. Vi- yeah, Vampire Vlog. Vlog the Impaler. The Vampire... Oh, my God. <laughs> I need to write that film. Yeah, uh, he's a bit of a wet cloth. In the trailer, I think he's described as like a young adventurer, a young hero. And I thought, he's not that young. He's sort of introduced, I guess, as part of the trio, like uh, they're speaking to this barkeeper about the carnival action that, you know, they're sort of on the trail of rain because of it, because they're sort of vampire hunters for hire, it seems. Like he has vampire sense, it seems, because a vampire in disguise, there's lots of hidden vampires in this film and... What they do is they scrunch their faces up in a CGI fashion, so you know yeah. they're a vampire. That seems to have been a thing. I probably wasn't, but it certainly it wasn't invented by Buffy, but I feel it was popularized by Buffy. Yeah. And I've never liked that. Yeah, I like it, the idea of vampires being looking like humans. Yeah, basically. yeah. So he detects this hidden vampire with his vampire sense, his Sebastian sense, I suppose. Who knows? That's what he calls it. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, he checks out his through his pocket mirror that this guy behind him isn't casting a reflection and then stabs him in the chest. Yeah, that was a quick introduction to vampires, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it established it within five minutes. It's just like, vampires, these are vampire hunters. I admire... The thing is, it starts off like it's going to be snappy and, oh, I'm cutting through all the backstory and things. But then it's just like, no, we're saving this all up for flashbacks later on. Mm. So, yes, they're on the trail of rain and they turn up to the carnival and see that it's all been attacked. But the thing is with this trio is that they're constantly like splitting up and then meeting each other back in the same Michael place Madsen, again. Michael Madsen with a giant sandwich with a... <laughs> with a a, an olive sticking out the top of it as well. Like Scooby-Doo. Like Scooby-Doo. Uh, yeah, they're just like... I don't know. It always seems like Katarin says, yeah, I'm going to go do something else. And I guess there's a little bit about her sort of like machinations behind the scenes and lead with her father, etc. But it just seems like she goes off, rides her horse around some fields and then they mm-hmm. just meet up again and have another action sequence. I get the impression that Michael Madsen just says, let's split up. And then... He just goes for a big shit. <laughs> Michelle yeah. Rodriguez goes around the corner. He's like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm going to go take a dump. <laughs> now, even though this film is called Blood Rain, I think Rain herself is frequently punched unconscious. <laughs> well, she frequently gets taken out of the story because I think Uribe wants his like shitty fellowship to be... As important, at least, as Rain. They are a shitty fellowship, it has <laughs> to be said. <laughs> can imagine um, Gandalf turning on, this is a pretty shitty fellowship. Yeah, can you imagine? It's like the Council of Elrond, and mm-hmm. there's just like these three, like everyone else is just like, nah, I don't want to take part of this quest. And you get Michael Madsen. Yeah, it's like he, he saying, staggers to his feet. You can have my sword and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'd very much like to see him say that. So, yeah, Rain ends up getting kidnapped uh, by... Uh, what's the character's name? Domestir. Domestir. He, he is Caden's right-hand man who seems to spend most of the film reporting to Caden about how he's fucked up. <laughs> um, but then finally does something right and just yeah. punches Rain's lights out. And, and he, he, he's a thrall, though, himself. 
Yeah, I, I think so. I thought he was a vampire, but then he was in daylight, so I'm assuming he was a thrall. He's got a shitty enough haircut to be a vampire. That's definitely a statement haircut. He's got <laughs> chevrons. Yeah. yeah, shaved chevrons in his head. Any any cars driving over his head must be yay apart. <laughs> he is played by Will Sanderson, Uwe Boll regular, who mm. we have mentioned as being in House of the Dead. He is in Alone in the Dark. He is in the name of the King of Dungeon Siege tale, and he is in this. I was as he was describing these uh, films, I was thinking, why does he keep coming back? Now, A, it's probably because he, he got to eat, but B, I think I get the impression from what you're telling me about um, Michael Madsen liking to work with him, and I watched an interview with uh, Billy Zane before recording this, where he seemed to be quite uh, enjoying working with a bowl. I get the impression for all this just clearly, clearly horribleness that he is on Twitter and things and shouting down the phone at the screenwriter, he seems to be a pleasant enough guy to work with on set. Do you think? I mean, he seems to just get shit done. I guess. He's got like Edward vibes from the Burton film Edward. I know based on your character, but it's like, shot, done, we're moving on. Yeah, and like Edward, I suppose he had his cohort of regulars who mm. would uh you know the sort of family that surrounds him i think yeah i guess he must have like clicked and gelled with this guy because he kept him on for quite a few years it's probably there's a choice between having a speaking role opposite sir ben kingsley or a nameless extra in something else so yeah. yeah but that's the thing like when he's interacting with ben kingsley in this or when he was interacting with burt reynolds and mm. in the name of the King or something i just get the impression it's like Jason Statham, Ron Perlman, Will Sanderson. That guy. And then you have, you know, in this film, you have, like, Ben Kingsley and uh, Billy Zane, and then it's just, like, oh, Will Sanderson. And it just always looks like, oh, it's Uwe Boll's friend, and he's playing with the big actors. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think he's necessarily bad in this. He's functional. He it's a very functional mm, character. He's very average, I think. They yeah. just need a, a scowling subordinate to report bad news, as you say. I guess we should use this point now to introduce another vampire. We mentioned Domestia kidnaps Rain mm-hmm. and is trying to take her back to Kagan, but the sun is rising, so he needs to stop off somewhere for shelter to... So he must be a vampire then? Well, no, but, like, Rain's a vampire. That's the thing, that's where I'm getting my lore, my lore confused. Is she a daywalker? I, does she appear in the daylight I at all? I believe not. So maybe she is vulnerable to maybe, sunlight. Yeah, or he just has... I don't think he's Maybe captured. he forgot to, he's not a vampire. <laughs> he's used mm. to the night shift. His body clock. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be, he's going to have serious horse lag <laughs> <laughs> travelling all this destination if he doesn't get his 40 wings. Yeah, at least if he sees a Starbucks, he's stopping. <laughs> So, in order to seek shelter, he decides to visit Leonid. And on the map, it probably says, the, lo- the home of the biggest pervert in the world. <laughs> this is an interesting scene. Leonid is portrayed by Meatloaf mm-hmm. a day. Yeah, is that his actual name? I don't know whether it's Meatloaf a day keeps the doctor away, or... Mm. I think we need a- the doctor needs to be present at all times, <laughs> actually. Yes, he is a big, pervy vampire fella wearing another fantastic wig. Mm, I think that borders on like the Georgian sort of tumble down yes. white wigs you get. So maybe that is a gimme because he's meant to be a bit of a pathetic character anyway. 
And according to the notes, uh, the half-naked ladies that surround him are actual Romanian prostitutes. So... Uwebol remarks that they were cheaper than hiring actresses. Mm. That's an Uwebol hot directing tip. Yes, I mostly cast prostitutes in my films. <laughs> Leonid is hosting some sort of blood orgy in his lair. In the underground tombs, there's just lots of vampires... Mm. Drinking from humans chained up yeah. willy-nilly and having all kinds of uh, cavorting. Later on, uh, our brimstone boys and girl uh, enter the catacombs and they, they sort of have the manner of, oh, I don't like this place. <laughs> it, was, it was something about their body language, which sort of didn't quite convey the seriousness of the situation. It's more like, no, I don't want to be here. Ugh. Ugh. It's Icky. Not, it's like you get a party invoice and the party's not quite the sort of party you expected. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't know this was like a blood orgy. I thought this was like somebody's, I don't know, retirement do. This whole sequence is completely superfluous mm-hmm. and unnecessary, I guess. Helps it break 90 minutes. Like, you could have just not had Rain be kidnapped because Rain is saved and they take her back to Brimstone, but they could have just done that without this scene. It's completely redundant. But I guess we would have missed out on... Meatloaf being meatloaf for a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, I do like a bit of meatloaf. Um, I mean, a massive fan of Rocky Horror Picture Show, and uh, you know, he's great in Fight Club, so he's definitely got sort of acting chops. Sebastian and Vladimir turn up just in the nick of time. They have a bit of a sword fight. Isn't this like the first time we see uh, Vladimir's wrist crossbow? Yeah, quite possibly. Which seems like a very cumbersome thing to have <laughs> on your wrist and to set up. I think it appears when it's needed in this film and disappears when mm-hmm. it's not. I don't remember seeing him actually put it on. Yeah, I can imagine him undoing his flies and forgetting about it. <laughs> oh, there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sort of thing you say if you, if, you, if you shoot your own penis or something. Yep, there it goes. Stuck to the floor now. And just at, at the level of Madsen's performance in mm. this, like, I don't think he would really bat an eyelid if anything like that happened to him it's kind of amazing isn't it because he's so good in reservoir dogs isn't he but i think that's like the actor fitting the role mm. i think him being a sort of daring do Vampire grizzled player. swashbuckler as he's meant to be i suppose in this when he just seems like a very tired old man yeah again going back to the advert it describes him as a glorious leader or something and he's just he reminds me of, if you know Limmy's show, character Didi, when he's like, oh, hey. Fucking a... vampire. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, though, the the Broomstone gang, they don't, um, they, they capture her and imprison Rain. And it's only when she tells them that her terrible story that they just kind of let her out because of faith. Because you've got to have faith. In the words of George Michael. Mm, famous vampire killer. <laughs> uh, wake me up before you go-go was literally about vampires in a coffin. And last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Mm-hmm. It was the talisman of Bel Air. <laughs> <laughs> well, he always, yeah, he, he wore a crucifix um, earring for a, for a while, did George Michael. So I think that was his, I think maybe he was a dump here. I want to see a film like how he did Abraham... Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. I want to see Wham, Vampire Slayers. And it's yeah. all about their tour. They go, their European tour around the Carpathian Mountains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, every time they stake a vampire, they go wham. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it just writes itself. He's a vampire. I am fully. I don't know. I'm going to check my bank and see how much money I've got, and I hope I've got enough to make this movie. Quick, call Andrew Ridgely. <laughs> yeah. So they decide to train up Rain, much to Catherine's Sh- chagrin, mm-hmm. but. This is also the moment where Rain has a bit of a bloody nightmare and she wakes up and she goes to see what Sebastian's up to and she sort of goes for his neck like she's still in blood rage Mm -hmm. sleepwalking mode. Uh, But instead they decide to have a bit of a bonk up against a gate. Yeah, very much a bouncy, a bouncy bonk. It seems very uncomfortable, and the fact that she's sort of holding onto a loose gate door, so as they're having sex, there's sort of this kind of ee, ee, sort of like, <laughs> as she's sort of holding this gate opening and closing, and sounds like they're really going at it in a mm. creaky, oily hinge fashion. Um, impulsive sex can be sexy, but this was very much not... It was so sudden. She leaves her cage and within... Um, she leaves her cage. She leaves her cage. Well, it's more of a jail cell. It's not like she's a. Oh, sorry, semantics. <laughs> I wouldn't like, you know, I don't know, the connotations of she leaves her cage. <laughs> she leaves the cage in which, where Sebastian was keeping her <laughs> and leaps onto his uh, cock and um, they do bouncy bouncy and just, yeah, it's not terribly sexy. I just felt a bit sorry for everyone involved. Yeah, but... um. They're now in love. Like, passion, they are now absolutely in love. That, that's, that is how love works. That's how it was in, the, in 18th century Romania. Mm, yeah. I mean, these people are in their sort of late 20s, so they're both quite old by now in, in, yeah, in, that, exactly. in the 18th century. Michael Madsen is like 100 years old. He is, yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's a wizened old man. I mean, he's actually only 30, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but in this film, he looks like... And, what um, Michael Madsen did in the early 2000s. And Ben Kingsley, he's like the oldest man who has ever lived, 58 <laughs> or something. I mean, yeah, this, I noticed actually in all the training as well. But okay, I quite liked um, how the Brimstone Society sort of seemed to enjoy having a dehumpier there. It's only really... I keep wanting to call Michelle Rodriguez Rain because of Resident <laughs> yeah. Evil. But it's only um, Michelle Rodriguez's character who doesn't like this situation. And there's a cute bit where a kid goes, show me your teeth to Rain. And she goes, okay. And it's really funny. I also noticed, though, he's training with her new blade. She gets gifted some new swords. Yes, they visit like a kind of blacksmith weapons mm. expert who is played by Michael Paré, another Uwe Boll regular who does make appearance in Far Cry. Mm. And um, I guess he was best known for Streets of Fire, right. which I have now seen. I saw it at the Prince Charles Cinema. He plays the lead character in that. You mention all these uh, actors and you say, oh, they're from this, they're from this. But I just know these people from Uwe Boll movies. But <laughs> when I saw Will Sanderson's name, I was like, oh, Will Sanderson from, um, checks notes, uh, House of the Dead. Oh, yeah. yeah him. <laughs> him, that guy. Yeah, so they get armed with, as you say, fresh blades, gunpowder and holy water. They should be cool. They should be badass. But her blades just look crap. Mm. They just look quite cheaply made and quite unwieldy to use. While they're tooling up... This is the perfect opportunity for Cajun's forces to attack Brimstone, having been, I guess, led there, or at least they found the information out from 
Katarin's father or Katarin emailed them or something or like oh no it's in the past so she sent um a page she paged <laughs> she paged them <laughs> anyway they turn up and they ransack brimstone meanwhile Katarin is off finding the talisman underneath brimstone which is underwater sebastian vladimir and rain get back to brimstone just in time and rain goes and dives into the underwater pool where Katarin is looking for the talisman. Yeah. Two things. First of all, she's quite good at swimming for someone who could never, ever go into water. Yeah, I guess this is her first time and she's, yeah, she's doing pretty quite good well. at it. I mean, she does get stabbed. I, I mean, when, I, when I went swimming as a kid and went down to fetch that rubber brick from the bottom <laughs> of the pool, and if I ended up stabbed on the way down, I, would, um, I don't think I'd pass my swimming well, course. That's if you want to do the gold swimming certificate. Oh. If it's bronze swimming certificate, fine, but gold they introduce like... People trying to stab you and harpoon you underwater. Yeah. I mean, secondly, when she started bleeding all over the place under the water, I was pretty convinced the shark was going to show up <laughs> because I didn't think Uber would resist having a shark, even in a completely sort of um, separate from the outside world underwater pool. After some underwater fisticuffs, um, she defeats Michelle Rodriguez. It seems like there's nothing to really say about it. Yeah, it just seems like a real... Moving on sort of thing. You know, you think the end of a principal character would be more of an exclamation mark and she's barely a full stop. Rain decides to go to Cadence Castle. On her ownsome or lonesome. Yes, and to bring the talisman, the heart, to her father, Caden, who has by this point already found the rib. Mm Mm-hmm. But Sebastian and Vladimir still follow her in order to provide mm. backup. Yeah, were they part of the were they part of the plan? Well, I'm not sure because they, she... they they assault the castle, the two of them, and that goes as well as can be expected. <laughs> the two of them assault this castle of guards, and they get very quickly captured. And yeah. I was waiting for the bit later on when their master plan is revealed. They plan to get caught all along. No. <laughs> they sort of just get captured I guess they just they end up in the dungeon with rain so I guess that's sort of convenient you know for all this film's shortcomings Kagan's altar room is quite impressive I feel this was a this is a very nice location with a lot of flaming torches a lot of height there's a bit later on where uh, Sebastian does a forward flip onto the stone ground from a balcony, and I thought that would absolutely break your legs. <laughs> Very impressive flip, but he would land and go, "Oh Jesus Christ!" <laughs> and all the vampires would go when they hear him say that, because it's very Christian. I would imagine maybe that the hall where they do the big ceremony that they're preparing for in mm. order to sacrifice. Maybe possibly rain in order to extract the eye mm. from her. I think that's possibly location. An actual vampire church in Romania. Yeah, yeah. It's not very clear because they say that they're going to extract the eye, and there's some talk about how they're going to do it, and when they extract the eye, they would possibly extract her soul mm. in doing so. But I'm not too sure whether she'll die from it. You sort of think it's going to be some grand ritual and they're preparing for the ceremony and you hear all this ceremonial chanting but then when it cuts to them actually doing it it's just some guy with a knife gonna like mm-hmm. cut her eye out yeah. it's not really like grand ceremony and they use mystical powers it's just like no we're just gonna pop it out with a pen knife i reckon his head satanic priest 
was winging it all this time. When um, Caitlin was like, you do know how to do the ceremony? He was going, yeah, mate, yeah, mate, of course. I've consulted the tomes, sure. <laughs> yeah, and never thought in a million years that uh, he'd end up having to perform the ceremony. <laughs> and it's getting, it was really getting to crunch time. <laughs> so <laughs> what are the chances that this would be happening now? So the attack of the broomstone posse, posse probably saved his skin yeah, until so he is murderized. Saved by the bell. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, the way they break out of their cell is like the laziest breakout possible. Like the mm-hmm. whole, I don't know where my friend is. Yeah. And then the guard opens the door and they kick him over. And then Sebastian... He, 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 Sebastian appears on the rafters. And I yeah. actually said out loud, that's going to happen before he, before the guy opened the door. And then Sebastian says, can't believe that worked. Which is funny. <laughs> that is funny. That is, that is the sort of knowing humour that's usually... Um, desserts Uwe Boll. But here it was very, very funny. I feel like pretty much every scene could have ended with someone doing a button and saying, oh, I can't believe that happened, or I'm, I'm amazed we got here in time, mm. or just anything which excuses the crummy logic and uh, geography of the movie. I think I was quite intrigued how our two human heroes, Sebastian and Vladimir, do end up dying in the battle. Yeah, well... Uwe Boll's no stranger to a weirdly downbeat ending, as mm-hmm. we've discussed previously. Mm-hmm. But the way he goes about it is a bit strange. So, basically, Kagan finally decides to open the box, which apparently has the talisman heart, and realises, oh shit, it's not in there. Mm, this is one heavy box. <laughs> but you'd think you'd check. Either it was in there and she's now absorbed it. It's not clear exactly what happens to the heart. Did she have the heart? I think she hid it. But whereabouts? Because when she's nursing Sebastian, who's dying in her arms, he's like the talismans, and she says, I don't care, Caden is dead. Because by this point, she has killed Caden. <laughs> Sebastian has thrown a bottle of holy water, and Caden decides to catch it, mm. and then shoots it with a wrist bow arrow, <laughs> and it splashes all over him. And then another wrist bow arrow goes... I think, hits him, and then Rain directs it into his heart, and he dies. You're strong, Rain, but not skilled enough. Give me the heart, and I shall spare your life. I would choose death over seeing you as my ruler. You're interfering with fate. With the talisman joined, vampires shall rule the earth. As if your interests are no For centuries we've been cursed that the shadows slaughtered by the fearful have you not always longed for freedom, Rain. You condemned me the day you raped my mother. I will see she has vengeance. If you're there just for the action, you're not getting it here. <laughs> yeah. And um, If you're there for the horror, maybe you're not getting it here either. And then, no, and I mean, to be fair, this fight does have a lot more... Really grisly uh, cuts. Somebody's neck gets cut and just a shower of blood comes out. And I know it sounds a bit like a psychopath, but I think if you're doing... uh, I do like to see vampire films with the blood flowing. And I think there's there's quite a lot of... um, You get a lot out of of watching like a horror movie where it flows. But of course, um, Christana Loken's very upset when she learns Sebastian is going to die. And she's like, stay with me. And he refuses to be turned mm-hmm. because he says it's his time. But if there's so much in love, it's like, I could spend eternity with the one I love. Mm. But he's like, nah, sorry, I'd rather die. <laughs> yeah, I think he weighed it up, though. 
I think perhaps he was thinking of his cock uh, the other night, and he weighed up having Christana Loken as a girlfriend. <laughs> but that's or what death. I'm, but that's what I'm saying. It's like you could turn into a vampire and at least hang out and have sex for a century with her or something, mm-hmm. and then be like, okay, I'm bored now. I'm just going to step into the sunlight. Maybe he's unclear. If that's, <laughs> if that's what you want to do, I mean, I'm not saying that. Oh, they had such a burgeoning relationship and eternal love when they mm. had like sex once. But it's just like it's funny that she's like, "No, stay with me," because she clearly loves him in some mm. capacity, and he's like, "Uh, no." <laughs> well, no, maybe he's just unclear of the rules, and he thinks he's on his way to becoming I'm... a vampire. And um, he's like, "It's my time," and in his head, he's thinking to be a vampire, and then he dies. Unclear of the rules. He's a trained vampire hunter i think he knows the ins and outs of vampire logic and law they're not particularly good ones though nothing better exemplifies a really strange ending than the sort of ending that we get in this cut of the film because um with everyone in the entire room dead she sort of slow walks to the throne it's a big sort of shot of wide shot of the entire decimation inside the cathedral and she sits down on the throne the camera pulls into her face, and then we have credits. That's it. It's sort of one of those endings where you think, well, what is she? Is she king of the vampires now? Is she? Like, what about all the other thralls outside? If they're going to be like, okay, I guess you're our boss now. I would think it was just she's been very busy. Mm-hmm. She's done a lot of fighting. She just wanted to sit down. Yeah, she's very tired, and she just needs a bit of a rest. But. According to Wikipedia, it says here, Rain sees herself in Kagan's throne and reflects on the events that led to her father's death. I mean, that's an assumption. She could be just thinking, she probably has like a song in her head, you can't get it out. Uh, (laughs) Or, what am I going to have for dinner? hmm. Uh, And then it says here, uh, the film ends when Rain leaves the castle and rides into the mountains. So I'm assuming that's in the extreme edition <laughs> or something, because uh, that's not what we got. It's an abrupt ending, mm. but I sort of liked its weird, downbeat, pensive mood just to have her slowly walk across this hall, sit down and just stare into middle distance like a kind of, oh, what the fuck has happened? <laughs> well, I guess it's rare in a bowl film that something is, is ambiguous and not just confusing. Uh, maybe that was his attempt to have like an ambiguous ending, which is like, I finally got what my what I wanted, but now what? Yeah. Uh, this film grossed $3.7 million. Uh, how much do you think it cost? I'm going to say 10 million. 25. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to guess that 15 million was paying the actors. I wonder how many days Kingsley worked in this film. I'm going to say a weekend. A weekend. A long weekend. A long weekend in Romania, and he probably pocketed a million a day. Mm-hmm. He, maybe <laughs> maybe uh, he, he was paid $20 million <laughs> for his, uh, his role. I mean, the kids love Kingsley. Uh, Rain, she does show up in Ready Player One as one of the multitude of characters running with Lara Croft. I guess the rights were going cheap there. Yeah. It said actually here that she was stood, according to the Ready Player One wiki, she was standing next to Lara Croft. So she was best, definitely came on the Sexy Babe bus, mm. which arrived. Steven Spielberg's Sexy Babe bus. 
That's a TV series I'd like to see. A maxi-series or something. Uh, yeah, uh, apparently this film did relatively well in certain territories. Mm-hmm. It was number three at the box office in Russia and number one at the box office in the United Arab Emirates. Isn't, like, in Russia, Nightwatched one of the hugest films ever? So maybe that it just got swept up in the whole vampire love. I think at this time, I mean, we're talking underworld time we're talking Mm -hmm. ultraviolet time Uh, underworld was for a long time one of the worst movies i'd ever seen and then i decided to watch actually bad movies but underworld was so tedious and they made so many of them i really actually that's really weird you say that because yes i remember not liking it and the fetishization of the guns there's lots of really long shots of guns and god knows i like action movies but that was a real like hmm I mean, this film is pretty tedious. Yeah. But the Underworld movies, I think, are just as tedious and probably cost... Well, now that you told me how much this cost, probably... Mm. You know, but they probably cost a lot more and were marketed heavily and are not considered one of the worst films of all time like this Blood Rain is. But I'd say put them side by side, Underworld and Blood Rain, and there's really not much difference Mm. between them in terms of actual entertainment value. Yeah, I think tedious is the word, because as this film ended, I, I thought about this film in the context of all the films we've seen so far, and I think I like this least of his films so far. I, I do think this is a pretty pretty bad movie, which, which bums me out, because uh, I do like my vampire stuff, and I was really keen to watch... I mean, if this just had to be bloody action, really. I admire elements of this film i think there is a sense of scale i think it does at least attempt to emulate a little bit of say francis ford coppola's bram stoker's dracula in the sense that there are certain shots like the big crucifix on the mountain and the Mm -hmm. credits at the start of the film it has all these old paintings and it gives this sense of, so done by the second unit, I'd imagine. Yeah. I, second <laughs> unit stuff, beautiful. Uh, first unit stuff, not so much. Action unit, woeful. The problem is is that it is a drag, and despite... Dragula. It is Rob Zombie's Dragula. <laughs> um, despite the fact that it has this star-studded cast, I was hoping that we would have a few more over-the-top performances as a result, a bit more scenery chewing Mm. a bit more energy but the actors sort of turn up say their lines get their check and get the hell out of there as quick as possible and only billy zane in his like five minutes of screen time if that over Mm. the course of two scenes i guess that's why they called it a special appearance by because he is the only special appearance (laughs) in the movie because it's just him having a little bit of fun did you see that he i think owns the distribution company for this film. Oh, really? Is so, that why he's he, so involved? He, he, he owned the distribution company and um, promised the company was scheduled to put the film onto 2,000 screens, but only ended up doing 900 or so, and so Uber sued him. Oh, right. <laughs> for to get back his money. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. The, or hit the stake on the head. I was wondering if you're going to avoid that, but no. No. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I can't help but compare this to In the Name of the King, which has a very similar high fantasy setting, but you have lots of you have this scattershot cast of known faces giving it their all in that film, at least, or at least giving it an ele- they've turned it to 11, their performance. But here, everyone's doing the stuff of a shrug, no more so than... Oh, I was going to say no more so than Michael Madsen, but no, Michael Madsen and Ben Kingsley really just give nothing in this film. And I have a feeling that maybe Uwebol told Ben Kingsley to be sort of distant and stuff. But like I said, he just, just, he just seems like he does not want to be here. And one wonders what this film would be like if we had some really big, entertaining, energetic performances in these these sort of secondary characters. But as it stands, I would definitely recommend skipping Blood Rain, sadly. But I'm cautiously optimistic for the sequels because I am <laughs> stupid. All in good time. Mm. Sadly, this wasn't a good time. <laughs> no. But in the meantime, if you would like to find out more about video game movies and the podcast, you can visit our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. Or you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at gamesonfilmpod. And you can contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. If you check out our website, you can find links where you can support the show as well and to help us buy terrible movies for us to watch. Mm. Or good ones. Or good ones. Maybe one day. We celebrate video game movies. Yes. I would say maybe a third of the films we've done so far have been great. (laughs) Great, Great to good. Great to good. You can find me on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Harry, do you have anything to plug? I don't. I just, I'm still doing Star Trek reviews on Instagram for hashtag make it Only Man Who Can. You're on Instagram at Only Man Who Can as well. Yeah. So that's why the pun exists. <laughs> yes, it's sort of a pun. And if you want to check out Gamer Disco, that's video game and music club nights in and around London. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and all the other social media channels, etc. If you want to listen to some cool music and play a few video games. And what are we doing for our next episode? So next up, we are watching Stay Alive. Not Staying Alive, the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Stay Alive. The movie about video games, which is on... The movie about The movie about video games, which is rather on message. It's a video game inspired movie slash horror slasher film, because we're still in the month of spooky shenanigans. October. October as it's late. It's not like you get to September and you turn the calendar over and it just says the month of spooky shenanigans. Mm. Well, thank you very much for joining us for for yet another... um, Bunch of UO bollocks. Um, <laughs> I've been Harry. I've been Rory. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.